Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette, and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals and what show they would order run forever if they were the Mayor of Musical Theatre, which is, to be clear, a made-up position. Very excited that this week's guest is someone I have been a huge fan of for many, many years. It's Christina Bianco. From hilarious viral videos showcasing her musical impressions, to solo shows all over the world, to starring roles in shows like Funny Girl, Little Voice and Forbidden Broadway, Christina has established herself as one of our greatest entertainers, and I do not say that lightly, she is a phenomenon. If you're unfamiliar with her work, I highly encourage you to pause this podcast right now and type her name into that there YouTube and spend a few days, honestly, exploring her brilliance. Have you ever wanted to hear what it might be like if Barbara Streisand sang Total Eclipse of the Heart, or Liza Minnelli sang Into the Woods, or Celine Dion sang Let It Go. It's all amazing. Obviously, Christina is amazing. Excitingly, Christina is about to begin a residency at London's Menier Chocolate Factory with her new solo show of music and impressions called In Divine Company. That runs from May 11th to the 20th, so get those tickets right now from menierchocolatefactory.com. That's M-E-N-I-E-R chocolatefactory.com. I know it's spelled Menier, it's pronounced Menier, I, I think. I'm not fancy enough to know how words are pronounced. Later in the year, she is involved in another very exciting show, a revival of Liza Minnelli's 1972 concert, Liza with a Z, featuring the London Gay Big Band. That show is at the Theatre Royal in Brighton on September 16th, and all the tickets are available from 18th tgtickets.com. Finally, you may have seen Christina starring as Glinda in the acclaimed Lester Curve production of The Wizard of Oz earlier this winter, and now that show, as well as Christina herself, are coming to London's Palladium from June 23rd to September 3rd, the day after my birthday. That is going to be a spectacular production, so get your tickets now from london.wizardofozmusical.com. This podcast is produced in association with MusicalTheatreReview.com, your premier source for news reviews and interviews on all things onstage, backstage and worldwide. Right, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into the chat with the wonderful and hilarious Christina Bianco. For Bernadette Peters. I love her. I know you're looking at me saying, why are you not doing an impression? And so there it is for you. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake mayor Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. Lots of musical theatre performers have an incredible singing voice, but imagine having such control over your instrument. You don't just have one incredible singing voice, you have hundreds. Our guest today gained notoriety as a singer, comedian, and impressionist, stunning millions with her YouTube clips and live shows. She has since gone on to prove herself an incredible leading lady in her own right, starring in huge shows like Forbidden Broadway on both sides of the Atlantic, Funny Girl in Paris, Little Voice on Tour and The Wizard of Oz at Leicester's Curve and soon at London's Palladium. She's also preparing for a run at the Menier Chocolate Factory with a new show, In Divine Company, an evening of comedy, music and impressions and I for one cannot wait. I'm a huge fan. International sensation Christina Bianco, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm out of breath. How do you, how do you control your breath in a live show? <laughs> well, you made me sound wonderful and you said it very, very quickly. Um, so that's partially <laughs> balancing out the pace. I'm a I'm an Italian 
New Yorker. Mm. So I had no choice but to speak very loudly and very quickly for most of my life. Otherwise, I would never would have had a word in edgewise with my family. Mm. So I think I had natural training from birth uh, <laughs> in how to just be a little louder and a little stronger than most. It's a good instinct. As you say, you're a New Yorker. Where were we talking to you from today? Yeah, no, actually, um, so about a year and a half ago, my husband, Dog, and I moved to London. Ooh. So I'm here on a, a visa, the Global Talent Visa. Um, and it's been absolutely wonderful. You know, over over the past, gosh, eight to 10 years, I was coming to do a lot of work, um, not just in England, but in various parts of the UK, and also finding overall that I was spending less and less time exclusively in New York or even in America. And so you always have that little, I don't know, that little moment where you wonder what, you don't want to wonder what if. Mm, and uh, we love we love it, particularly in England. And we've had such a um, a great time over the past eight to ten years making friends here, and and not just um, personally, but professionally with my fabulous agent and and voiceover agents and just people you love working with. And uh, I just I don't know I. I just never wanted to say, oh, I wish I'd spent more time in England, or I wish I could have taken advantage of more opportunities there. Mm. And also, I think I think that there's something, even if you love where you're from, where you grew up, particularly when you're from America, there's something that is always going to be so appealing uh, about Europe, European life and culture. And you would never know it because you're, <laughs> this is all you know. But even the pace of London is so much slower and to me more uh, just relaxed and and um, indulgent than the pace of New York City. <laughs> so it's like, you mean I get to be, you know, doing everything I want in a busy, bustling city, you know, but it's in Europe and I could take a two hour train to Paris. And so the appeal of that, um, it was just too appealing. That's what I'm trying to say. It was too appealing to um, not give it a go. Mm -hmm. And then we were going to do it about the end of, I think it was 2019, uh, particularly when I booked Funny Girl in, in Paris. And that opened up many other opportunities for me. And we thought, we better make this happen. This is great. Let's dive in. Let's bite the bullet and do it. And then, of course, the, the universe had other plans to give everybody a great big mm -hmm. pause. Um, so although it was frustrating, it was also nice because it gave us a lot of time to prepare to move uh, countries across an ocean with pet. So it, <laughs> it was, it's been a lot, but it's been wonderful so far to, to make my first experiences as a, as a resident here, um, touring with Little Voice, um, getting to see a lot more of England than I'd seen before. And, uh, and then to follow that up very quickly with, um, Wizard of Oz at Leicester Curve. And, and now this, it's all been going very well and I'm not taking it for granted and we're just enjoying it, uh, as long as, as this lovely country will, will have us. <laughs> Well, because you work in pop culture, you do a lot of impressions specifically about British acts now. I think just your Catherine Parkinson impression alone is reason enough to live in London. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You know, honestly, that's one of the nicest things you could possibly say to me because uh -huh. I love doing Catherine Parkinson. <laughs> and... um She's been really kind and really vocal about how much she enjoys my impression. In fact, my last UK tour, which I called First Impressions, all <laughs> variations on a theme, you see. But um, she was kind enough to leave a little voice note that I use in the show. Um, and it's just lovely when when people know that you're, you know, that imitation really is the sincerest form of flattery and that you're doing it with respect and love. And and so often in shows I've done before, like Forbidden Broadway, the lyrics can be, uh, the lyrics or the content can be a little bit acerbic, a little bit biting, the way it typically is in comedy. It likes to push the envelope and to do impressions. Very often you have to exaggerate something about that particular person. 
Mm. Um, so it's nice that when when the celebrity you're impersonating realizes that even at its most, um, let's say, extreme, that it's still done with respect and love. And so, yeah, I, it's it's been great. I've been trying to do more and more impressions. There are some you sort of say, oh, I think I'll just leave that to somebody else. I feel like I don't have the right to do some of these, you know, <laughs> career politicians and all that. I was like, I think I'll just I'll leave that alone and I'll, I'll stick with them. Some other divas. We choose our battles as impressionists <laughs> and comedians. And <laughs> well, you do have so so many impressions. Are there any great white whales? you would really love to be able to impersonate but you don't quite have something in your voice to get that specific person yeah people ask me this a lot and I tend to go back and forth between two answers so I'll just give you both um people always share my share impression is absolute rubbish because my (laughs) voice doesn't sit that low um I always say men do much better shares than than women do typically um Tina Turner has such a distinct voice and such a, a, a really gritty raspy voice. I can't do it. I can't do it. If I could do Tina Turner, then I probably couldn't do someone like Celine Dion or Kristen Chenoweth. So that's frustrating because she's so iconic and I just find I fail. Um, yeah, there's no way I could ever do uh, Mariah Carey. There's certain voices I just don't have. But when it comes to um, speaking impressions, there's someone who I should be able to do and I just can't figure it out. And it's mm-hmm. The most frustrating thing. And that's the actress. Um, <laughs> I can't even say it right now. Hold on one second. Okay. I know. Jane Krakowski. Jane Krakowski. Oh, that would be iconic. So Jane Krakowski is a, obviously well-known Broadway and television and film star. She's known for these crazy characters and this very specific way of speaking that she has. And the closest I get is doing some of her most dramatic lines from 30 Rock as the character Jenna Maroney, if you know the show. Very specific, you know, accent, almost Moira Rose-esque sometimes (laughs) in the way she'll say on camera as opposed to camera. I'm so happy you said that. Um, (laughs) My my flatmate and I, that's the only way we pronounce the word camera. It's it's this now the standard. If you watch the show, that's it. It is infuriating. I have all these pockets of my voice that should fit but I have not found that hook and that tool so although it frustrates me that I can't do you know Tina Turner the one that really kills me is Jane Krakowski (laughs) (laughs) because we all want to be maybe one day it'll happen (laughs) Uh, we spoke a bit about your friend Catherine Parkinson earlier another of your friends is an ex-guest on the podcast Suze Kempner who (gasps) there's a great video of you two doing dueling Liza Minnelli impressions online thank you for mentioning this because I have to tell you it's one of those things where you say to yourself this is for such a niche audience but I feel like it's not being appreciated like I think we need more views so let's get this happening let's do it yeah (laughs) dueling Liza's singing um for good from from wicked because I apparently I don't know, we just thought that would be a great idea and uh, we entertained the heck out of ourselves doing it. <laughs> and me, and I think a very specific audience, but it should be a larger audience, absolutely. Thank you. I've I've been to see quite a lot of your shows because I'm I'm a fan and I saw you in Edinburgh and you were kind enough to take photos and things after and I mentioned to you that my favourite video of yours is your Into the Woods video where you have all the different witches. Oh, the witch witch, yeah. And that's so good. But I think you said at the time, that's a deep cut. And I think that's something that's really great about what you do because it's there are very niche musical theatre jokes in amongst the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera impressions. Yeah. I mean, my, listen, my heart is in musical theater. It's what I first, uh, you know, watched, listened to, performed, just, I was pulled to musical theater. I love that balance, uh, particularly the shows that appeal to me, like Into the Woods, are the ones that have a bit of that, you know, all musical theater has a bit of, as we say, jazz hands, a little mm-hmm. bit of presentation to them. But I love the shows that uh, that tend to balance reality and comedy and and 
the sort of ups and downs of everyday life. I love the extremes played out to music. That's what I love. So I love musical theater. Mm. And um, it's it's difficult because when you get known for doing impressions, and particularly for me, I was all of a sudden, it seemed like it was an overnight success. You know, a couple of YouTube videos went viral. I was on TV and a lot of people thought she's just someone who does impressions and probably a comedian, um, which I'm not a comedian. I mean, I I, I always say, you know, I, I perform comedic material. So people call me a comedian and I say, okay, but I'm not a stand-up comedian and I would never book myself in a stand-up comedy venue because I'm a singer. You know, people think of someone like, Bette Midler in her concerts and like, oh, she's so funny. She's such a comedian, but she's never been a stand-up comedian. She's an actor mm. that has good writers and also writes her own stuff. Mm. And so that part of me has always been there sort of fighting to be like, oh yes, but I, but, but I sing. Oh, but I do theater. So for all the Britney Spears is, I do tend to put in a Bernadette Peters. I find that balance is important, not just for me to keep my sanity, but because it, it helps me appeal to a wider audience. So yeah, it, the, the Into the Woods Witch Witch video was a real favorite of mine because Into the Woods is, as we'll discuss, my all-time favorite musical. But I also think that, you know, now in this day and age, with all the, um, you know, celebrities popping up in musical movies and all that, what I did as a joke <laughs> is, you know, pretty much what happens all the time now these days. <laughs> the times have changed. So you are finding, you know, celebrities you wouldn't expect in musicals <laughs> or singing from musicals. So I'm going to be out of a job soon. You know, my ideas aren't so so novel anymore. Yeah. One day we will have Catherine Parkinson starring in St. Dana Park with George, the movie. It's going to happen. I think I think she'd do a splendid job. <laughs> Everybody loves Louie, you know. Oh, I have to stop making you just do impressions. Um, your Liza Minnelli one we, that we were just talking about, you actually have a show coming up later in the year, don't you? Uh, Liza based. I do. And, and talk about, and it's, it's, it's a good way for me to sort of save the ridiculousness of saying, you know, dueling Liza Minnelli is doing for good, is that, you know, I balance that with Liza Minnelli is one of the performers for just my entire life that I've looked up to in every way, because she's a true triple threat. Mm. Now, a lot of people don't know this. They know sort of the older, later years Liza, who's almost a caricature of herself, even on TV shows like um, Arrested Development and all that. It's larger than life, very, very funny. But Liza is has always been such a gorgeous actor, an incredible dancer, a true showman. I mean, obviously just grew up on stage pretty much with Mama Judy Garland. Mm. And you just sort of when you watch her do an entire concert, it is masterful. Nobody else really touches it. And um I've always found that to be so inspiring. And when I put my my own solo shows together, I'm no Liza Minnelli, but that's sort of the base of what I like to do. A, a little bit of what Bette Midler does, a little bit of what Liza does. And I think if you watch those two women's one-woman shows, then you're you're in a good place just to, to create your own. You can't help but learn from the best. Um, so with Liza, her very first big televised concert um, was called Liza with a Z. And in fact, it wasn't just a televised concert. It was filmed specifically for television. It was the very first uh, program to ever be done that way. And it was directed and choreographed and pretty much everything by Bob Fosse. I won't go into this whole thing right now because you can look up Liza with a Z and see the success of it. Emmy award winning. And, and then the album has, has you know, been like certified 
the gold and platinum. It's crazy. Um, but last year, just last October, the um, the London Gay Big Band decided to do a big concert of Liza with a Z for its 50th anniversary. And I was so thrilled that they asked me to headline that concert. And so I got to do all of the incredible music of Liza with a Z with the 28-piece band and six incredible dancers. We couldn't do all of Fosse's choreography. I think it's illegal to lift it completely and do that. So a wonderful choreographer named David Allwood, he uh, sort of, you know, was inspired by and reinvented a lot of Fosse's work. And so I got to live out a dream and just do that entire concert from top to bottom with a sold out audience at the Clapham Grand. And it was such a hit, this one night only show, that uh, we, we've been asked to do it again. And this time we're doing it at the Theatre Royal in Brighton on September 16th. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Great music by Candor and Ebb. And of course, uh, I say, of course, if you know Lies with a Z, uh, it famously ended with a big medley of songs from Cabaret. So if you love Cabaret, the musical and the movie, there's there's songs from that. Uh, gosh, Ring Them Bells, just such fabulous, iconic songs. Um, but also, again, incredible musicians and dancers. And of course, I'm wearing sequiny fabulous outfits inspired by Liza. Um, so uh, I'm babbling, but it's it's an absolute dream. You know, I get to go from being Glinda in a poofy dress and a blonde <laughs> wig in pink at the Palladium. Mm. And then I think that the last Wizard of Oz perf performance is September 3rd. And then September 16th, I'll be strutting it in my sequins, <laughs> <laughs> belting out New York, New York. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, that's going to be so good. As you say, your regular live shows, you go from performer to, to performer to performer to diva to diva to impression to impression. So just inhabiting a character for a whole show, which is something you've been doing with Funny Girl and Wizard of Oz. Well, yes, but actually I, I did a poor job explaining that because they hired me to to perform as me, as Christina oh, Bianco. Oh, okay, even better. Doing the show. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry, I should have, I should have led with that. Um, no, it's nice to be, you know, to always be appreciated as a, as a singer and performer in your own right. But I think because they know I also can do Eliza impression, yes. you always assume that one might sneak it in at some point or another during the show. And I do. So although <laughs> the show is me as me belting my face off as Christina singing this music, um, Liza does make an appearance. And I will say it's not also not just to be selfish, like, oh, she's doing the whole show as herself. You know, one of the reasons that Liza is such an incredible performer and Eliza with a Z in general was so made such an impact is because everything is so truthful and grounded and honest. And so half of those songs wouldn't even be as effective and work or be worth it if I was just doing an impression of Liza doing them. Yeah. So we choose, I think, I think we collectively uh, chose the right moments to throw in some Liza Minnelli. Mm. I mean, it would make sense for me to impersonate Liza, say on the song Liza with a Z, where she's singing about being called Liza. So sure. probably, probably I do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we choose our moments, but um, no, I get to sing as, as me. And that's uh, always an incredible joy because I've been me longer than anybody else. <laughs> Speaking of being you, speaking of truth, obviously you you talk a lot about um, your childhood growing up, really studying the voices of these great divas. There's a very technical precision the way that you do your impersonations. Does that make it harder to find your own voice? Are you overly critical of your own voice? Are you able to appreciate it as beautiful as it is? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, people, people ask me, yeah, is it hard? Did you lose sight of your own voice when you sing as somebody else for so long? The answer really is no, because my own voice is the most natural, easy, you know, part of, of me. I could mm -hmm. say that more articulately if you want to edit this. <laughs> um, That's fine. Obviously, 
singing as myself is the easiest. I've done it the longest. I'm the most comfortable with it. So there's never a problem with my doing it. If I was, if I grew up only doing impressions and never singing as myself, then that might've been difficult. But I always sang as myself first and the impressions was something I sort of did naturally without sort of without knowing it. It was, it became something I would just do. And my mom would say, Hey, you're doing it again. You're singing <laughs> like Judy Garland, you know? So, um, it, because it wasn't a, a conscious choice, I don't know. I just, it never, it never stuck. So I could always sing as me. What it has done, obviously doing impressions over the years and trying to do more and more of them, like anything, the more you practice and the more flexible you are in one way, it's going to lead to flexibility and um, more vocal dexterity in others. So I find impressions overall has absolutely made me a better singer as Christina. And I think that using those different pockets of your voice on a regular basis is healthy, whether you're doing impressions or not, just sort of playing around and stretching yourself a little bit, as long as it's safe, mm. is a great thing for a vocalist. Um, very often, particularly in the theater world, we get locked into, yes, you are a soprano and these are the sort of songs you should sing, or you are the big riffy belter and this, these are the sort of songs you should sing. And it's very difficult to break from those molds, particularly once you have a resume filled with three or four of the same sort of vocal part. Mm. Um, so it's always good to to play around and practice. And the last thing I'll, I'll say about that is that when you, when you, you know, change your voice to do these impressions, it, it, it yes, to answer one part of your question there, I, sometimes I sing something and I go, oh, oh, that sounded a little bit like Bernadette or that sounded a little bit like Celine, but it's not me impersonating them. It's me sort of then realizing what part of their voice, like where it actually lies within mine. Mm. So I catch myself sometimes you know, I could hear where that bit resides, but it's not a choice to do the impression. And it's also not um, taking over, <laughs> do yeah. I like to say. It's fun to, in my shows, kind of pretend that they take over because it's theatrical and it's heightened. But sure. um, Christina is always in control. <laughs> the great thing you do with your live shows is there are the impressions, but you do include a lot of comedy songs you sing as your own and you really get to let rip with your true voice. And I imagine if you're doing, like, you know, if you're doing Christian Chenoweth, you can't do the low notes. If you're doing others, you might not be able to do the high notes. You won't be able to perform them with as much power as your other acts. What sort of balance should we expect for the Menier Chocolate Factory shows? Well, it's, I'm very excited to put this show together for the Menier. It was something where they, they really knew my material. David Babani um, was one of the first people to hire me here in London, back when I did Forbidden Broadway um, at the Menier and then the West End run at the Vaudeville. Um, so he knew that I had those those theater impressions and I had followed my uh, career prior to and then afterwards. So it was nice, you know, that they expect me to do impressions. They want me to do impressions like I want to as well. But like you said, they also expect songs in my own voice. And I think one of the reasons that they asked me <laughs> to do this is because it sounds a little cheesy, but my show really does appeal to quite a wide audience. You know, I'll do um, more of the contemporary um, artists um, from, you know, I still call Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears more contemporary, but let's just say Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, you know, those those voices that the kids know, the younger mm -hmm. people will know, will make appearances or at least their songs may. And then you've got the classic Broadway canon of people like Bernadette Peters and, and Barbara Streisand and Julie Andrews. Then you have the classic vocalists like um, Edith Piaf or Shirley Bassey or, or Judy Garland. And so you're covering those musical bases there. And obviously with a bit of, uh, I do a lot of speaking impressions as well. So you can be sure there'll be a bit of comedy thrown in there. We have topical 
things going on right now in London. My goodness, like such exciting times. So it'd be very silly for me to not mention Eurovision or, or mention yeah. anything about the coronation. So there'll be some comedy at play there. Um, and so it's it's a nice balance. So you get something for an, an, an older audience, I think, like more traditional theatre. And then you have something for a younger, youthful audience is looking for a bit of a laugh, a bit of comedy and loves the impressions and music all over the map. And uh, I have a really, fin- truly phenomenal accompanist and arranger his name is Ryan McKenzie mm. and uh, he's got such a great understanding of not just how to you know play these fabulous um songs from musical theater by the likes of Julie Stein or Kandarin Ebb or Leonard Bernstein but then also has the the edge of being a little young and hip and knowing the jazz and pop world and so we might take um, you know, an ABBA song and have Edith Piaf sing it. I mean, this is this is the sort of thing you're going to get in, in my show. Um, so I'm really thrilled to be doing that. Yeah, I, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, there'll be, you know, if, if you've ever wondered what, you know, Christina Aguilera would sound like singing like Lulu's Eurovision hit, like maybe this is the <laughs> show for you. Yes, I have. Who hasn't wondered that? <laughs> well, as you say, there's a lot of great pop culture in your show. There's a lot of great pop artists in your show. There's a million reasons to see it. But for our listeners, I think it's a musical theatre that will yeah. get them in there. You're a musical theatre performer. You're a musical theatre obsessive. Was there one show that really sparked your love of musical theatre? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely always Into the Woods. Oh. It, it checked all the boxes for me. I mean, there's a part of me that loves the big flash dance numbers of, of a lot of the classic musical theater and particularly tap numbers oh. like that. But for some reason, even without big flashy dance numbers, Into the Woods is the one that does it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I just, there's always something every day that makes me think of Into the Woods. It's just part, the biggest part of my life. And uh, I loved, I think also as you get older, you appreciate things about different characters. So when you're younger, you know, you're going to uh, kind of understand and appeal to Little Red Riding Hood's storyline. And then yeah. as you get a little bit older, more Cinderella's. And then if you're, you know, <laughs> living, you know, living, feeling like your life is a little humdrum these days sure. and, and getting stuck and doing the same thing every day, you appeal more, you know, thinking more of, you know, the Baker's Wife plot line. Mm. There's just something for everybody. I love that it, I also love the fact that it has the light in the dark, like most Sondheim shows, which I absolutely love. I'm a huge Sondheim fan, yeah. but I, I love anything that shows you the um, true ups and downs of of everyday life. So I love I love the musical. It's such a beautiful musical. There is a junior version which doesn't have the act two and it doesn't have yeah. the darkness. Doesn't and have the dark. I just and don't that know makes how, sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for for kids. For the kids. <laughs> it's such a shame to lose that darkness because that's where the beauty and the philosophy and the depth is to that show. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think it depends on the age group doing it. You know, Fair sometimes enough. you do want to shield them from those those terrible things. But yeah, it's 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 a musical that that each act stands stands alone, and then together is something even more spectacular. Um, so I, I I love the music. I I love the story, and um and also you know when you there's something great about taking those it's done it's done more often these days but it was the first time i'd seen anything where it took a fairy tale and really broke it down that it's you know life isn't always what it's cracked up to be and a happy ending isn't always as happy as you think it's going to be um so yeah it it really in, influenced me as a kid yeah and of course bernadette peters let's of just course. just say that because such i mean talk about someone who can in one 
just eyebrow raise give you comedy and tragedy. I mean, she's just so phenomenal when it comes to that. And I think, again, a lot of people don't give her credit for being such an incredible actress. She just balances those comedic moments and and still tugs at your heartstrings when she sings with her deliveries. Oh, I can't get enough of Bernadette Peters. I love her. I know you're looking at me saying, why are you not doing an impression? And so there it is for you. Thank you so much. Now you're <laughs> Bernadette Peters' pause. Um, before you're so nice in um, oh, in your fault. It's just yes. incredible, just the energy, the intensity. It comes across on the cast recording. It comes across in the video recording. Yeah. Did you see it when you were really, really young? Yes, I did. I mean, I was I was a baby, like, you know, like five years old or something, I think, when yeah. it first came out. Um, so, it, yeah, I just remember. Yeah. I just I remember knowing it. That's sort of what I remember. And I remember being so little and trying to play dress up and doing all the characters throughout the show. And there was definitely a time, and I wonder if I still can, mm. you know, just someone would give me a line. I'd be like, this is the scene. This is the act. This is who said it. You know, and I mean, I definitely was well and truly obsessed yeah. <laughs> with Into the Woods. There are people who say Sondheim writes really complex, tricky musicals, but no, Into the Woods, it's got the depth, but it's so catchy as well. It gets stuck in your head. It's, it's amazing. So catchy. So catchy. I mean, and every day I find myself saying, oh yeah I was I don't know I was excited and scared like I just start singing lines from the <laughs> yeah. um, even in the in the grocery store greens greens nothing but greens parsley peppers cabbages and celery asparagus and what of course and at least do it all and yes I can do all of your fault but it's just <laughs> I mean absolute like maths and stuff is gone from my head but all of your fault is still securely there all of it as it should be. Are there any other musicals like that, which really get stuck in your head, which you're always humming the tunes from? Yeah, I mean, there are tons. I really, uh, I love totally other end of the spectrum. Um, I love City of Angels. Oh. I love, yeah, I, lo- I love jazzy, jazzy, swingy things. And I, uh, I love that storyline. I love that film noir sort of um, sexy genre. And um, I don't know, that those melodies always haunt me. I always am singing those melodies in my head. So yeah, from Sondheim to Cy Coleman. <laughs> yeah, I love love that. Well, going around London with film noir soundtrack in your head, that must be must be a life. I don't know. I, I can't, I'm, I'm a weird one. What can I tell you? But I do love <laughs> Well, you're a Londoner now. What's your favourite musical currently running in the West End or just in London generally? It's so hard to pick that. I I've mentioned I'm a massive um Candor and Ebb fan. So and I really was so so impressed by this um revival of Cabaret. So um I had seen so many productions of Cabaret in my life. It was it's been done, you know, in the States. It's always done regionally in high schools and colleges and and you know, it's everywhere. And then I saw um the I think the Sam Mendes production, both times it was on Broadway, at least three three times each with different casts. So like you just sort of, you think you've seen, you know, what cabaret, what you can get out of cabaret. And I definitely have seen it enough where sometimes I go, oh, I don't want to see that show again. Sure. No matter how how good it is, no matter who's in it, sometimes you go, I don't really need to, to do this again. I, it's almost like you, you get too, um, I don't want to be bored by it. I don't want to be um, exhausted yes. by it. So you try to separate yourself and go, I'll take a little break. Mm. Um, but this production blew me away. Um, I really loved the choices and I really loved... Um, I, well, I just, I, I love the way that it was presented um, and it made me look at it differently and think of it differently. So yeah, that production of Cabaret, fantastic. It's such an impressive show, the way it gets the darkness, but it's also really funny. It's yeah. also really enjoyable. It's And the audience interaction as well. I can't imagine how scary it is for them every night, not knowing exactly how the show is going to go. Yeah. 
it's 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 one of those things where if it doesn't need to be done in a in a venue like that or a space like that but it it helps set the tone and it helps mm. really put you into that world as an audience member but again as as a performer i can imagine it also gives them so much more to work with because it makes that that little bit of what you normally feel that little bit of of uh, fear yeah. <laughs> and the excitement of every time you go on stage even if you're doing the same thing it's different every night and that's the magic of of live theater and sometimes it's scary but usually it's wonderful <laughs> as i'm sure you're very familiar with with um in your shows you often have an element of randomness about which impression you'll do or which song yeah there will be just a little bit of that at the menu. It's easier to achieve that in a nightclub when people are drinking and laughing and they're crazy, <laughs> but there'll be a little bit of that. I always like to keep just a little bit of spontaneity and flexibility in, in my shows. Yeah. There's a lot of drunk people at the menu all the time. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I'll take note of that then. <laughs> Which musical makes you laugh the most? Gosh, this is tough. Um, but I, I, the one that comes to mind is is less is less known in, in the UK. So I think I should, it's worth mentioning. And it's a spelling bee. The 25th annual Putnam Counting Sp- Putnam County Spelling Bee. Yeah. Um, I, as a, you know, I should say as a New Yorker, but like as an East Coast New Yorker who knows exactly where Putnam County is, mm. uh, I've, I really appreciate the humor in that show. Obviously, uh, spelling bees are something that happened all over the world and awkwardness with kids in school, meeting kids from other schools. Like it's all of that is a universal thing, but there's something about that particular way that it's written and William Finn's very, very honest, very brutal (laughs) comedy um, has always appealed to me. And that was the best application. And the show truly surprised me. Um, I I saw it a few times. I was almost in it, like almost. So sad. But I just loved it so much because I kept getting different things making me laugh every Mm. time. Sometimes it was, I caught a line I hadn't caught before. Sometimes it was the way someone delivered something. Sometimes it was obviously what the incredible talented cast was doing between the lines. And I just, every time I saw it was cackling. So I think that show deserves a deserves a few more looks from from everybody around the world. I think I think we can make it work in places other than America and the East Coast of America. I am positive it can. <laughs> just said, need to make it happen. You'll be pleased to hear that was also your friend Suze Kempner's answer for Finney's musical she's ever seen. Stop it! I know, and she's a British person, so we get the humour. Yeah, Bring it over, well, please. this is why Suze and I get along. We're, we're, <laughs> we're two wacky peas in a pod. That's great! I didn't know she said that. Brilliant. So this is Christina Bianco. I was very excited about this episode. I'm sure that comes across. Uh, Christina was so kind to talk to us about all her favourite musicals and just throw in a million impressions, completely unprompted as well. Really lovely human being. Thank you to her. I've been to see virtually every show Christina has done in this country and she's always brilliant. Her shows are amazing. So make sure you get down to the Menier Chocolate Factory. The show is called In Divine Company and it plays May 11th to the 20th. Also, a reminder to book for Liza with a Z at Theatre Royal Brighton on September 16th. That is going to be such a fun one. And The Wizard of Oz, everyone loves The Wizard of Oz. It's going to be amazing at London's Palladium. It's going to be spectacular. London's Palladium, um, June 23rd to September 3rd, the day after my birthday. Right, back to Christina. What is your favourite movie musical? So I have issues with this because it's impossible to pick one. Am okay. I allowed to give you like three? Yeah, throw a million. Let's go. <laughs> because it's impossible to not say The Wizard of Oz. Oh, of course. It's impossible to not say Singing in the Rain. And it's impossible to not say Mary Poppins. All perfect those, movies. That was it. 
I mean, sorry, sorry, Sound of Music, sorry, Funny Girl. Like, here are my other ones that I was watching. But those were the three that informed my youth. That was it. Um, uh, the Wizard of Oz was probably the very first musical movie that I saw. But then the one that uh, had, obviously, I think the the greater impact just in general was was Mary Poppins with with the I don't know the the, the cartoons and the dance numbers and everything like that and this the storyline um and then as I get a little bit older singing in the rain nothing will ever sort of top singing in the rain to me when it comes to a full-fledged musical movie with with the incredible talent and, and comedy of that that trio um so yeah those are the three yeah, they, it makes sense I, I knew you were going to ask me this and I felt bad I was like I feel bad yeah. I do have a funny thing that I can throw in though is that is when I got a little bit older, I was absolutely obsessed with the um, movie musical Newsies, starring a very young, like 17-year-old Christian Bale. It absolutely made me a, a, a freak. I was singing that Alan Menken music all day, every day, every single line. I was obsessed with it. So much so that when I Years later, decades later, I finally saw the musical when it was on Broadway, the musical version. I, I'm not afraid to say this. I cried tears of sadness because wow. I didn't like it because wow. I was un, I was unwilling to accept a plot line or musical changes or any changes from the film. It left such an imprint on me. So, wow. and I'm not saying every production, Newsies is fantastic. It's a wonderful musical, but that's how weird I was about. <laughs> so I can't yeah. call it like my favorite because you can't top those three classics, but sure. I just figured it was worth mentioning that I'm a freak when it comes to <laughs> newsies and I'm, I'm aware of my problem and I've got, I've just, I've got to work it out. I'm still trying to work it out because I don't, I don't like the plot changes. Sorry, everyone. You know, I'm just trying to make it work in my mind still. You need to get to the Wembley Troubadour Theatre. Sit yourself down, enjoy it again and again and again until yeah, you realize. Everyone how keeps telling it is. me how wonderful it is. And I was like, okay, I, I have no doubt that it's that they're very talented and it's all <laughs> wonderful, but I just I just these plot changes. I don't know why they're doing it to me. It's fine. It's fine. I'll, I'll write a strongly worded letter to the the writers and maybe they'll they'll hear me out. <laughs> well, something for our listeners to look out for. Also, if they go on Apple Music, type in Christina Bianca. You've got a whole live show on there and you sing Santa Fe. I do, but and 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 you will all laugh, but I do not do the musical version of Santa Fe. I do the movie lyrics. <laughs> oh, the hypocrisy! <laughs> yes, but yes, I went. I, I I again, even on my live album, I had to include something from Newsies, so it's made a big impact on me. Beautiful. Which musical might people be surprised to learn that you love? It could be something at odds with your personality, or a guilty pleasure, or something like that. One hundred percent. It's Bright Star. Um, oh, the the bluegrass. Yes. Um, so I am a, always say, you know, lifelong New Yorker mm. who absolutely grew up singing and listening to country and bluegrass music. Nice. My, my father worked in, in radio and I loved it, just loved it. And, and I would always sing along to, you know, um, Dolly Parton stuff and Lou Harris, um, mm. so many incredible artists, um, of that genre. And so my voice I guess from a young age of singing it, like easily fell into those pockets. And so, in fact, I do a lot of demo work for that genre and a lot of um, demo yes. work for any sort of, if, if, if anybody ever needs um, someone to sing something remotely country or, or, or bluegrassy mm. for any sort of demo, they always call me. Wow. <laughs> so Give yeah, and you, you wouldn't know it. And I, it doesn't really make sense to put a lot of it in my shows. Um, and I do, I do get a lot of, a lot of different genres in there, but I've never really put in 
anything truly country or bluegrass. Um, and that's just, I loved the the musical. I thought it was a beautifully done. I loved, I loved that it was different. I know some people are like, oh, I don't know. It's different. I was like, yeah, well, that's what I loved about it. Yeah. I loved the storytelling. Um, the cast is unbelievable. One of my big idols is Carmen Cusick. So I was just like, this is gold for me to see her and hear her in that role. And I hope to one day play that part. If somebody's looking to do Bright Star, I am your Alice. <laughs> oh, please make Trust it happen. Me. Let um, me let me prove it to you. Me talking right now, you wouldn't know, but I'm an actor and I'm a singer. And let me tell you, it. I will make it happen for you. No, yeah. Similarly, I've been on a country bluegrass kick recently, even though I am from Birmingham, UK. Why should I connect go. to this it, music? Look, from the Music translates. If, if you connect with it, it doesn't matter where you're from. 100%. You know. So let's hope they bring it. So sure. on the other hand, is there a musical that other people really love, but you don't quite connect with for some reason? Yes. And I'm afraid to say half of them. So I'm going to choose uh-huh. this very wisely. Fair enough, you know, you got to be a little careful. There's some obsessive fandoms out there. I know. I know. You will get the wrath. Uh, particularly on the internet. But, it's really tricky. Okay. So I'm going to go with Godspell. Okay. I think I agree with you with on this one. I don't get it. I, I could just be that I haven't seen it live, but... I have. I oh. And I didn't get it then mm. either. And they have these incredible... Every time I've seen it, there have been these incredible voices singing these songs. And I'm... I, I, I don't... I don't... I don't get it. I don't get it. And I understand yeah. that I'm... That it's like a, an absolute cult classic for certain people. And I'm like, that's that's very good. Very good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. To the point now when I hear people sing from it, I'm like, oh, Godspell. And it, it sounds terrible, but I just, it's never left a good, a good vibe with me. So that's, that's, that's the one I just don't get. Have, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy yourself. And I will come back when the album is off. <laughs> I'm sure Stephen Schwartz won't mind. He's, he's making enough money in other places. It's okay. <laughs> God. What do you think is the most romantic musical? Do you consider yourself a romantic, sentimental sort of person? Yes, but I always with an edge, always with a bite. I'm very sarcastic. I don't know. For, for me, the truly romantic musicals always have that edge. So I'm going to choose Sondheim, which means they're already barely romantic. Love it. You know, um, yep. I'm going to go to me, the score that makes me absolutely just want to fall. It, it, it makes it fall into a, a, I was going to say a ball of happiness. That's <laughs> literally the first thing that came to my head, but just sort of envelops me and makes me happy is the music from Sunday in the park with George. And even though they have not a great relationship to nope. me, that's so romantic and so beautiful. Uh, and, and, oh, oh yeah. I don't know. Sunday in the park with George to me, that's romance. <laughs> That's lovely to hear. It, as you say, it's it's so eternal, their love, their connection, I should say, rather than love, because who knows yeah. if that level of, I mean, it's abusive exactly. in some ways, that relationship. But The way that she sees him yes, and the way that he inspires her, that is so beautifully romantic to me. And it makes it so much more romantic because they are really human. It's so much like real life. It's not two people who are written to go together, so therefore they do go together. It's two yeah. people who were who are just like real life. And that makes it all the more beautiful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Such a gorgeous show. What musical have you never seen that you think you should see? Oh, man. Okay, this is a little embarrassing. Oh, please. Love it. It's a lot embarrassing. Everyone, <laughs> everyone listening, get ready. Okay. I've never seen, I've never seen six. 
Well, there's going to be a lot of people emailing you to try and change your mind here. I know. It's not that I don't want to. I've listened to it too. I've just <laughs> never seen it. I love it. Yeah. Just haven't seen it yet. And I was trying to see friends in it and then that didn't happen. And then I kept waiting. And now I have absolutely no excuse <laughs> to not be there right about now. So yeah. it's, yep, running it's on... there's there's no good reason. <laughs> I just haven't gone yet. And now it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's running on London. They're touring it. I know I was similar. It took me ages to go see it. I think because I heard it was 70 minutes and it was more of a concert. And I thought, oh, a West End ticket. I could go see a two and a half hour show with a big story. Um, oh. But it is worth it. It's a, such a fun show. I'm, I know I'm going to love it. I, and I, it's just ridiculous that I haven't gone. <laughs> I have no excuse. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. I will rectify this. Please do not attack me on social media. I will fix this. <laughs> attack her a little bit, just so she gets a message. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> slight, slight berating. It'll be fine. Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was Avenue Q. That because I grew up watching nice. Sesame Street and yes. just let's be honest, feisty swearing Muppets. What's funnier than that? I mean, that would be a great place to live. <laughs> yeah, you want to live the Sesame Street experience, but you're a grown up. You want to be able to swear in front of them. Yeah, I feel like that's the perfect balance of having everyday life that, you know, like you know, particularly because it's usually, you know, a city like me. You know, you know it's you know, you're sort of like, OK, I'm I'm in my city, but it's just a little bit heightened. Yes. And uh, yeah, a little bit a little bit more magical. So Avenue Q for me all the way. Would you live in the original Avenue Q world or would you live in what Avenue Q is now? Because obviously it's a lot of things haven't <laughs> dated so well about that musical, but I imagine Avenue <laughs> Q now is a different place. I, okay. As long as we're imagining, can we just make our life happy balance? <laughs> even my own even my own area of New York City right now is not what it used to be. So <laughs> um, let's go with, I, I, I mean, th there are pros and cons to saying either way. I mean, we, I think as a society, we've grown farther yes. than a lot of the original um, setting and, and, and thought process of Avenue Q. But in some ways it was, it was, um, in some ways it was as lovely as well because it was honest and it was, it was of its time. And I don't think I'm somebody who really does, you know, we go, Oh, that show is very outdated. I, I don't feel that way. Most times I feel like a show was written in a certain time period and we need to honor that. I'm not saying we can't play with, you know, play with things and reinvent things, but in general, when people say, Oh, I just think that's outdated. And you're like, well, but what is the setting? Is the setting 1990? Because then it's not outdated. Then it's, you're doing a period piece and it might not seem like something, you know, you know, that's, you know, pre seventies is a period post seventies is a period piece, but it is. In fact, I remember when I was just doing um, a little voice, yes, a, a, a couple of people, you know, you can Google it. We're like, Oh, it's just, it's just outdated. And you think you say to yourself, it's, it's a period piece. <laughs> They're yeah. talking about the importance of getting a phone Mm. <laughs> a real, not a cell phone, a yeah. phone in their house. If that's your starting point, then what's what's outdated about it? Like you have to think that although they're wearing clothing that looks relatively contemporary, that, that, that everything, every word they're saying, all of their references and the way that they interact with each other and treat each other mm -hmm. is of a certain period that is not today. So I just, I just think it's sometimes people are too harsh on these um, newer classics, I like to say, because they're still period pieces. 
That's a really interesting reaction to Little Voice, because when I saw it, I loved the period setting. I felt like I'm traveling back in time. I'm escaping from this world into this beautiful story from from a while yeah. ago. Well, thank you. I, that, a lot, most people did. But I remember reading a couple of things and just being like, you are missing this completely, <laughs> you know, and I and not to get too you know dramatic about it. But, you know, it's because the dialogue in, in that play written mm-hmm. by Jim Cartwright is so specific. And one of the characters, Mari, is is just terrible and says awful things. And she says those awful things and everyone is shocked by them. She needs to say them. Mm. So you know that she's not, you know, you know her faults and you know she affects other people. So if people don't want to hear that dialogue, I understand, but it's not, it's not dated. It's, it's honest to that time period. So yeah, it made me, it really made me um, look at theatre when I go now Mm. and I have raised my eyebrows. Oh, I wonder what that is. What's the setting? What's the time period? And sometimes, you know, 19, 1992 is still a period piece. <laughs> so you got to remember that. Well, this might be completely at odds with what we've just been talking about. But if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic play, is there any old musical that you'd like to bring into the 21st century? I mean, not necessarily change, but maybe do in a different way. Yes. And I, I haven't worked it all out yet, of okay. course, you know, because nobody's hired me to do this. But when you when I knew this question was coming, the first thing I thought of was um, My Fair Lady. Yeah, Pygmalion. Um, Films, I had this conversation with someone like a couple of years ago saying that there are lots of films that use the themes and the basic story, like the the wide story of Pygmalion. Mm. Um, and so they're always modernizing that, but it's never been adapted and modernized in musical form. Yeah. Um. In in a, in a pure way. And I think it's surprising because the themes of, of My Fair Lady are, are still relevant, right? Like the main themes are about, you know, um, uh, social class differences yeah. and how language and speech impact that. And, you know, you can not sound intelligent, but be intelligent or trying to be something you're not, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, finding, finding self-worth in who you are without, you know, making these great changes. Like, honestly, there are so many things about it. And I feel like through um, today's world with social media and so much of it being what you put forward what you look like and what can be real Mm. and what can be temporary uh, and all that. I feel like there's a great way to modernize that show and, uh, and, and make it something that appeals to and is about today's current generation. I think it would work. That's a really interesting one. They did a production at the the Coliseum and I think it went on tour last year where it was very much the traditional My Fair Lady musical. Yeah. It's the one that was in uh, the last one that I saw. uh, I saw the production of that in New York. Oh, of course, yeah. And it, was be- yes. and it was beautiful to see it done, you know, in that classic way. Yeah. But again, they keep bringing back that one. But I'd like to see, I'd like to see some, you know, Henry Higgins doing some work, you know, on social media about <laughs> Eliza, you know, something like that. It'll be fascinating. It was literally just the very last couple of seconds that they changed to give Eliza mm. a little bit of agency and not go running back to him. Yeah. Spoilers alert. But <laughs> that's and that's the other thing, though, is that it's so th- the story also, you know, she it's like somebody it happens all the time, uh, particularly in this in this world we're living in where people sort of say, I want to do this and I want to appeal to this market and I'm going to change these things about myself. And at the end of the day, realize it's not the right choice. Yeah. You know, and here you're balancing that also with, and again, even with gender, you know, issues here, you know, like typically the strong male is trying to assert this, but what does that mean? So you could play with the genders uh, and identities of of everybody in My Fair Lady of the Story and still make it work and flip-flop it completely. Yeah. I just think there's so many opportunities to do something with it. Somebody pick this up. 
I'll oh. happily consult. I can hear producers rushing to their telephones right now. <laughs> that would be amazing. You're right. For social media, perfect. So the big, big question. If you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had that power, which show would you order be staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? It's very specific. Love it. That informed my my musical theatre upbringing. I would have the revival of Damn Yankees that played the Marriott Marquis. Okay. Um, in the 90s, uh, it starred B.B. Newworth, Victor Garber, Jared Emick, wow. Vicki Lewis, Michael Barres. It was, to this day, I count it as the most completely like perfect musical I'd seen. It was a big time on Broadway with so many incredible revivals. Around that time was The Guys and Dolls, um, uh, and um, the big revival with, with with Faith Prince and Nathan Lane and Peter Gallagher, um, the big carousel we say revival that gave us Audrey McDonald. Like it was a big time, but for some reason that production of Damn Yankees was done so beautifully. It gave you everything: the big dance numbers, the slapstick comedy, the incredible heart, mm. and I could not get enough of it. You know, tickets. Nobody was going to see shows a million times back then, but every time there was a bus into the city, I would go with friends, and I saw that show about six times on Broadway. Wow. And also because it was in the center of Times Square, like that, there was something just so special to me about just you know, being in Manhattan and on my own or with my parents and going to see that production of Damn Yankees. And I just thought, oh, that's, that's it. It's the best. One of the, the, one of the bad things about living in London that you will discover is that we haven't had big production of Damn Yankees in a long, long time, at least I've seen. I, so I've never seen that musical. I know a lot of the songs. I really love yeah. the songs and I wish someone would just bring it over here so I can mm. see what it's all about live. Yeah. And, and again, that's another people go, oh, it's dated. It's a period piece. But I don't, I don't recall, and I'm going to be upset with myself for not knowing exactly who adapted it, but the script was brilliant. It, it all worked so perfectly and uh, none of it seemed dated. It, it seemed perfectly of the period it was supposed to be in. Yes. And if I, as a younger kid, was obsessed with it, you know that it appealed to everybody. Mm. Um, so it was great. I'm telling you, that production of Damn Yankees, we'll have to get some, I'll send you some of the, the great clips. I have all the, um, the uh, you know, the merchandise from that oh, still amazing. saved in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I love it when a show means so much to you, you just want to keep hold of the program, the ticket stub, the little bit of yeah. confetti that fell on the floor. Yeah. And then years later, I got to work with some of the people that were in that show. Um, and I was, oh, I saw you. I saw you in Damn Yankees. In fact, I saw you go on for Lola on the road. And my wow. friend Paula was like, well, you did what? Like, you, how do you remember this? So I was like, I was looking at your name and Broadway programs for years. <laughs> and, and now I get to sing, it, sing with you at a concert. So that that's another reason I think I love that particular show, because, you know, later on, <laughs> I actually got to know some of the people that were in it. So that was it for me. Well, thank you so much for being on the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. You've been amazing. It's been a pleasure. So much fun chatting with you. Thank you. Huge thrill. Thank you. That was Christina Bianco, wonderful guest, incredible performer. Make sure you come down to her Menier Chocolate Factory shows. I'll be there. The show is called In Divine Company and it plays May 11th to the 20th and it's going to be so, so good. Also, don't forget Theatre Royal Brighton on September 16th for Liza with a Z and London's Palladium June 23rd to September 3rd, day after my birthday, for The Wizard of Oz. 
There's no new episode next week, I'm afraid, taking a super short break, but we'll be back very, very soon with more incredible guests. So make sure you're subscribed. If you miss us, go back and listen to the back catalogue if you haven't already. Great interviews with Anna Jane Casey, Carrie Hope Fletcher, Courtney Bowman, loads of amazing people. Um, in the meantime, please do tell your friends about the show and get involved with the chat online. You can find us on all the social medias at, at @musicalmayorpod. That is Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. While you're there, make sure you're also following musicaltheaterreview.com at, at @musicaltheaterr on Twitter and at @musicaltheaterreview on Instagram. And you can head to christinabianco.com to find all of Christina's live shows and her social media handles. It's it's at @xtinabianco1 on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, as always, for listening. You're amazing. Until next time, keep it musical. That's a stupid catchphrase, but keep it musical. (laughs) 